0: Let me give a quick and proper introduction to our special guest today. She's a minister in her own right. Um, She has been my life's partner for 30, officially 36 years. Now, we knew each other 13 months before those 36, but she's been an official covenanted partner for 36 years, has been with me all the way in the ministry, Uh, has been not only a voice of wisdom, she's been the voice of the Holy Spirit on more occasions than I can count, and has honestly uh, helped me, saved me, and uh, been an invaluable part of the ministry. And just because of the season we were in, uh, has not had as much opportunity to be able to, to share in sort of this official capacity, and I know because we're on the clock, so to speak, as a, a church, I wanted her to have a chance one more time to be able to download the congregation so uh we call her pastor t Uh, she's my wife and she's the love of my life and i believe she's got a word for us today so pastor t it is all yours come on up here and share with the people
1: thank you thank you all right let's open with a word of prayer lord we just want to start off today Acknowledging that you are God and we are not. Lord, we admit that where we all are in this place, in this situation, we did not expect nor did we ask for. We admit that we've come here today with some disappointments in our heart, in our minds, maybe some confusion, maybe even some hurt or anger over the place that we are. But Lord, right now we confess that we believe your word and it says that your ways are higher than our ways and that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and that your word tells us that you and only you know the beginning from the end. So Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you are for us and not against us. We thank you that Jeremiah 29.11 is true for us. The Lord says that he knows the plans and the thoughts that he has for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. Lord, I love what you say in the Amplified Version. It says that you know the plans that you have, the thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and for the hope of our ultimate final outcome. And so, Lord, today, as we come and begin this message, we choose right now, as we do in our encounters, we choose by an act of our will to thank you that you are working on that final outcome. You're a God that sees way down the road. You see tomorrow, next week, next month, and the years ahead. And you know what has to happen in each one of our lives and where we have to be positioned for that good final outcome. So right now, we raise our hands. Let's all do that, Lord. We raise our hands to you. And we raise our hearts in complete surrender to your will and your ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, the Lord gave me a lesson, a message, and he entitled Nine Lessons from Elijah. So the very first thing that I want to say before I even get started in the message is that this message is obviously for everyone. It's for Abundant Life and Legacy people because whenever the word goes forth, it goes forth in power and it goes forth to, uh, to do what it was set forth to do. So that's for everybody. But as far as dedicating this message, I want to dedicate this message to Legacy Church and to you, Pastor Kevin Baird. You know, I'm, I've, as he said, I've been his wife now for 36 years, and he's been my pastor for 35 years. He has been my pastor. And I told y'all, all the legacy people know this, the minute I walk in the door of whatever building we are in <laughs> as a church, I switch his hat from husband to pastor. And I no longer call him Kevin when I walk into the church. He is my pastor, and I call him that. And I want to encourage you as you go forth to where God calls you to be a part. Call your pastor pastor. I don't care if he says, call me Joe. If you want a Joe anointing, then you call him Joe. But if you want a pastor Joe anointing, you call him Pastor Joe. Okay? I'm just just a little word of advice there. Okay, so this message is for all of us, but it's dedicated to Pastor Baird and Legacy. I told you at that family meeting two weeks ago that one day I was sitting at my office at the Tides, and I was praying about the church and what was going on, and the Lord just clearly said to me, the brook has dried up. Now, I can't say I like that word, but that's what he said. So I began to study the life of Elijah and especially about the brook drying up, and this is where this message has come from. So let's take a look at the scripture, which is First Kings seventeen. And it says, "And Elijah, do we have? It? Oh, good. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, sent Ed to Ahab. Now remember, Ahab is the king of Jerusalem of, of uh, Israel, who was is married to Jezebel." And as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And that shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went, and it did according to Unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So we're going to start right there at the beginning in verse 1. Elijah spoke the truth, and our first lesson is this. Sometimes when you speak the truth, there will be consequences. So Elijah had just stood before the king of Israel, King Ahab, and delivered a message of judgment that God had given him, which so me, reminds me of how Legacy Church started. See, Legacy was not a designed church plant, Legacy's birth was not intentional. Many of you were there. How many of you were there, have been there from the beginning of Legacy? Amen. All right. Legacy's birth was not intentional. What happened was that our pastor, Pastor Baird, who is a prophet teacher, spoke the truth to some men in power. And they didn't like it. So much, just, much like Elijah, the next instructions were to get away from here. Now we didn't go eastward; we went north. I got the little map out, and we went north. And how many of you remember Legacy One next to Hay Tire? <laughs> Boy, that was a real first-class joint. <laughs> the fire chief shut us down because it was like so bad. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, but those of them, uh, the you that were there know that. At the other church, man, we had it going on. I mean, we were growing. We were up to almost 700 people. We were growing. We had just built two new buildings. Things were happening. Our school was up to 360 students. But God, God had another plan. In Psalm 1-6, out of the voice translation, which has become one of my favorite verses over these last really three years, the journey of the righteous has been charted by the eternal. He has already charted out our journey. Okay, it's, it's news to me, but it's not news to him. And we've got to remember that. Proverbs sixteen nine says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And if you've ever prayed and you said, Lord, I want your heart, I want a heart after you, I want to only go where you want me to go, then guess what? There's a good chance he's going to mess with your plan. Okay? And so legacy was birthed. Now let's go back to our scripture. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, meaning Elijah, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Elijah was told to go and hide by the brook Cherith. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel that because you have agreed to follow God and you are not compromising, you're not doing what everybody else is doing, you're standing for righteousness no matter what the cost, that you have been hidden? I know Pastor Fred and Jan know what that feels like. No one knows where you are. No matter what you do, it seems like you are invisible. You see, God is going to accomplish a work, and he needed to accomplish a work in Elijah that could not happen and could not be done in the limelight of a popular prophet's life. I want you to see something. In verse 1, he's called Elijah the Tishbite. Now, we're not going to show it, but if you'll read down 23 more verses, he finally is called Elijah the man of God. And when God hides you away, it's because he's trying to transform you from Tracy from Spartanburg to Tracy, a, man, a woman of God. Kevin from Overland Park, well, actually Olathe, Kansas, to Kevin Baird, a man of God. And that's true for each one of you. He's trying to do that. And sometimes that can only take place in the hiddenness of life. We've all heard our pastor say and teach us, God is way more interested in conforming you into him as image than he is in your comfortability. And I would like to that add to that that he's way more interested in transforming you into his image than he is your popularity or your notoriety or your reputation. Have you found that to be true in your life? That this message today isn't just about church. It's not just about legacy, um, closing. It's not just about that. This is about the Christian life. And you know what our problem is in life? We think that bigger is better. We think that if something is big, then it's successful. We think that being on the cover of Charisma magazine, which Ms. Dot just gave me a few copies of down here, that, you know, that that's the ultimate, ultimate destiny. Or being on the cover of Forbes magazine if you're in the business world. Why do we think that? Because that's what the world tells us that if everybody knows you, then you've really done it right. You know, that's not what God says. And one of the most powerful lessons to learn from Elijah is this one right here, lesson number two. Never underestimate the power of the hidden life. It's in this hiddenness that Elijah was fashioned into the man of God. It was here that Elijah was forced to learn to lean on the Lord. We all, not just pastors need to learn the value of the hidden life. You see, there's a part of us that everybody at work knows about you. And then there's that other part that only those who live with you know about. You see, that's the part that God's trying to get to. It's that part that men do not see that defines us. It's that hidden place that God desires to conform into his image. Cherith is... I would say synonymous, and for those of my kids and Planet Shakers, that means equal to. Cherith is equal to the wilderness. And one of the best books we've ever read, Legacy on the Wilderness, is Victory in the Wilderness by John Bevere. I would encourage you to get it back out these next couple of weeks. You might want to read that. And John tells us in that book that your length of time in the wilderness is uh, determined by two things. Number one, obviously God's plan, what he's wanting to accomplish. But also by your willingness to submit to the lessons of the wilderness. See, God wants us to come to a place where we are found faithful in the hidden life. When we are found faithful there, he will expand our sphere of influence to bring us out of that hiding place. R.T. Kendall, I believe Dodd, it was in that book that you taught, Total Forgiveness. One of his famous quotes is, The worst thing that could ever happen to a man or woman is for them to succeed before their character is ready. Therefore, we must come to a place, this is important. If you want to tweet something, this is a good one right here. We must come to a place where we are as willing to be hidden away as we are to be used. <laughs> the Lord reminded me of a very popular song. This, this shows how old I am that Pastor Jan might remember. Do you remember Evie Turnquist? She was like a, a, a singer back in the late 70s, Christian singer. And she song, sang this song called Available for God to Use Me. Available if God should choose me. Okay. It doesn't matter when, it could be now or then. I want to see lost men be born again. Doesn't that sound awesome? It should have said, available for God to hide me. A guy available for God to stick me away where nobody knows where I'm at. Because I want to see God move in my life. You see, that's the nature of Cherith. It may mean being passed over. It may mean being left out. Never forget, though, even when the world leaves you out, God knows your address. And God can find you. And if he has sent you to Cherith, he has hidden you away so that he might reveal you in his time, which may be something similar to what pastor is going to preach in the next week or so. This week, Pastor and I were sitting around, we were talking about Cherith, and we remembered that not too long ago, someone said to him, if you go to Spartanburg, South Carolina and take care of Tracy's mom, you are going to go to the backside of the desert and no one's ever going to hear from you again. Now, I think they meant that a little bit snarky, but you know what God probably said that day? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, because I'm going to go hide that man, and I'm going to prepare him, and then he's going to come out in power, just like you did Moses. And my question to you today, now don't just think about church. Think about work. Think about relationships. Are you willing to be hidden as God conforms you into his image? Some of you in this room may be already in your chair, and some of you might be getting ready to go into one. Because let me just tell you, we have been at Legacy, some of us, 21 years. Well, at Legacy, 16 years, but together, 21 years. And some of you have been in leadership a long time. Some of you have been in the core team. Some of you have been teachers in this church. Some of you have been ushers. Some of you have been um, just involved. Everyone knows who you are. I'm just telling you, you're getting ready to walk into some place where nobody knows you or who you are. Who you are, they may not know you as my mama would say from Adam. Are you willing to be hidden? Are you willing to go there and serve and put your hand to something when somebody doesn't give you a name badge? And if they give you one, they spell your name wrong, which happens to me every day. You know, when Pastor and I aren't traveling, we're going to be at Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida, a church of 12,000. You think there's people that aren't going to know us? I think so. We're not going to have a sign on it that says Pastor Clay's parents. We're not going to say that, okay? But we're going to go there and we're going to serve. We're going to serve. We're not going to teach. He's not going to teach. I'm not going to teach. We're going to serve. And if we are traveling on the weekends, we're going to go to Wednesday night. They have a big Wednesday night service, and we're going to go, and I don't know if I'll be, you know, I might be helping in the nursery because God knows we always need nursery workers. But think about this. When you read your Bible, how many how many great men of God went straight from God discovering him straight to the top. Not many. Not hardly any. I don't know if I can even think of any, but let's go look at the ones that didn't. There was Moses. Goodness, he was hidden for 40 years in the desert for God to prepare him. I guess I could say this. If God's hiding you for a long time, it's because when he pulls you out, buddy, it's going to be a big deal job. Moses was hidden for 40 years because he had to save an entire race of people. I mean, close to a million people came out with him that day. And Moses had to learn maturity and patience and sensitivity to hearing the voice of God each and every time. Because you know what? Just because God tells you to smack a rock one time doesn't mean you're always supposed to smack the rock. You see, and sometimes even when God God uses us, and I just want to say to all of us, remind us of the things this man has taught us. Don't get all too big for your britches. Don't get all haughty when you go into that next church and you get a prophetic word one Sunday and the pastor lets you give it and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, hmm I'm telling you because the next week he'll let you fall flat on your face because God will not share his glory. you got to remember these things. Moses had some rough edges in his character, remember? A lot of pride, a lot of arrogance, and a really quick temper. And God's got to deal with all that before he can really take us out of our cherith. How about Joseph? I mean, he spent how many years, pastor, in prison? Fifteen? In the prison? In the prison? I don't know. Anyway, he spent years in prison. It was a process of the pit to the palace to the prison because God had to deal with the character. It had to be refined. He was getting ready to be the prime minister of Egypt. There was a lot of stuff in him that had to be accomplished. And then even the apostle Paul, as smart as he was, he had to go into seclusion in Arabia for over three years before he could go minister to the Gentiles. I heard Joel Osteen say this on the radio a couple days ago. When God hides you and when he breaks you, he's not doing it to you. He's doing it for you. you got to remember that. He is breaking us. He is hiding us because He knows what we have to be for the destiny he's called us to. There's a God-ordained hidden place for each of us. And the best thing that you can do is willingly go there and stay there until he releases you. Let's look at verses 4 through 6. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went, and he did according to the word of the Lord, for he had For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, I just want to, let's just reminisce for a minute that Legacy Church has been basically hidden for 16 years. Okay, we we came across the Wapu Cut, okay, and we went to Hay Tyre. Yay! Okay, then we went over to Sam Rittenberg. Now, how many of you remember this? When we went to Sam Rittenberg, the realtor told us, oh, this is going to be a fantastic location. 10,000 cars a day go past this space. Well, I just want to say 10,000 people didn't come to that church. I mean, we had been there, y'all, we were there 10 years, and I would say to people, I would meet people as I'm trying to invite them in the grocery store at Dillard's or Belk or wherever, and I'd say, you know, we're the church right there on Sam Rittenberg. Where? Where? I said, you know, it's right there. Then finally I'd say, it's next to the bar. Oh, yeah, I know where the bar is. Okay, yeah, okay. okay. So our claim to fame was we were next to the bar. Um, so even, even in that great location, God still hit us. Then we went to the Crown Plaza, and then we went to International Church of God. And now we're at Abundant Life, which is a great place for me. But you know what some people call this? We're the church behind the church. But I want to remind you that even though we may have been hidden that God has sent those ravens to feed us all these 16 years. And I want to remind you of some of those ravens. First of all Hudson Taylor, famous missionary says this. God's will done God's way will never lack God's resource for where God guides he provides. So, we were talking about this when we were up at Spartanburg the other day for Pastor Miles' birthday uh, with my sister, Denise, and her husband, Rodney. And we were talking about uh, all the times that God had fed us with the, by the ravens. And I said, remember in Legacy 1, I, well, I didn't remember that they had been there. I said, I said, one time, Rodney, we were at Legacy 1, and we, and we took up an offering, and we needed $93,000. And I said, and we got it. He said, no, you didn't. You got $104,000. I said, "What?" He said, "You got 104,000." I said, "How do you know?" He said, "Cause I was there. And I counted it that day. I helped people count it. Cause remember, Denise and Rodney gave us all the chairs, all the chairs for Legacy One. Denise and Rodney gave us. And so he, I said, "Wow. Okay, I'd, I'd even forgotten that Raven. That Raven brought some good stuff that day. Okay. And then when we went to Sam Rittenberg, we were able to renovate that Burlington Coat Factory, $250,000 worth of renovations." And we never went to the bank. So God sent the ravens, and then Pastor and I were reminiscing that we remember one day we were this thing we were at home, we were at our West Ashley house, and we were like, "Lord, okay, you know the need, Lord, you know the need." And the phone rang, and it was somebody, and they said, uh, "Pastor Tracy, can can I just come by and drop a check off before we leave town for vacation?" Sure, whatever, you know. I'm thinking your $200 check, you know, thousands of dollars thousands. And then people have gotten inheritances. They've gotten bonuses at work. They've sold their houses, and they've paid their tithe. And the Lord just kept sending the ravens. When God sends you to Cherith, he will provide your needs. Not always your wants, but your needs. Notice he got a delivery of food in the morning and in the evening. He did not get lunch, and he did not get any snacks. Okay, no figs were dropped off in, the, in mid-morning and mid-afternoon, a little bit of something right before we went to bed, okay? That's when I like my snack, right before bedtime. God didn't do that. And I guess the hardest thing, maybe for, I don't know if it's for you guys, but for Pastor and I, the hardest part about what God has done in drying up the brook as that we really wanted to build God a house we kept thinking man if we could just own our own church visitors would come and the church would grow and it would just be awesome and our dream would come true you know what sometimes a good dream even a righteous dream isn't God's dream for you remember his plans are for our welfare and not for evil to give us a good final outcome. And he's charting the course for all of us, and we have to believe that he has been all of these 16 years. Now let's go back to verse number five. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Lesson number three. When God speaks, just obey. When God called, Elijah simply stepped out in faith and obeyed. We, too, have to be in a place where we do not question God. But when he speaks, we respond by doing what he told us to do. We say that we trust God completely, but why does everything have to be explained to us? Why do some of us have to have 14 confirmations before we go, okay, I finally believe it's God, okay? Don't be like, I mean... Pastor, why, do, why does somebody have to put down 13 fleeces? Okay, if God said it, just do it. Last weekend, when we were up in Monroe. Pastor was prophesying, and Lord just really released the prophetic. I mean, I was, I was like, Lord, I'm a, I'm a little rusty in this. I haven't prophesied in a while. Lord was great. I mean, word of knowledge was coming for both of us. And I don't think they've ever seen tag team prophesying. It was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, we, like touch each other. Like, okay, I got one. Here we go. <laughs> you know? So, but it was really great. But Pastor at one point said, now some of you are sitting out here, and I can tell you're sitting there mad. You're just like, how come I didn't get a prophetic word? And he said this. Perhaps you didn't get a fresh word from the Lord because you haven't obeyed the last one he gave you. I read this this week. God does not grant fresh revelation until there has been a compliance with the revelation already received. That always made me think about Lisa Bevere. Remember when Lisa Bevere came to us when we were at James Island? We had her for two ladies' conferences, and she taught about how she tells her kids that obedience isn't obedience until you obey three ways all the way, right away, and the happy way. I think some of us need to work on that last part. Some of us, well, some of you may need to work on the right-away part. Okay. <laughs> we don't need 14 conversations. So which part of that do you struggle with? All the way, right away, or the happy way? Let's go back to verse number five. That was a powerful little verse here. Elijah went and dwelt by the brook. Lesson four dwell in your cherith. Dwelt means to live. Elijah wasn't going on a weekend retreat. Okay, He wasn't camping out for a few days. He was going to set up his house. You know, when Pastor and I did come back from Indiana, we, got, we lived up there in Spartanburg to get mother, to try to figure out whether we could live with her, and then she got so bad that we had to put her into a assisted living. We got her settled, and then we came back to Charleston, and we were living over there in our little apartment behind Costco. And I never will forget one morning, I was on the, he was on the loveseat and I was on the couch. We were having our devotions. And he looks at me and he says, you know what? If we're back, we need to put some roots down. We can't say we're back and keep renting an apartment. If we're back, we're back. And so I said, you're right. We got in the car that day. And we drove to Ladson, and we put a contract to build a house that very day. The house that I thought was going to be my house for the next 15, 20 years, as I said the other day at the meeting, the house that I finally got the hardwood floors, and I got the gourmet package for the kitchen, and I got the hood, and I got the cooktop, and I got the double ovens, and we finally have three and a half bathrooms, and I even got that bonus room upstairs. Man, in my mind, I had that. You ever seen that on Pinterest where they have the bunk beds lined up for all the grandbabies, Miss Sharon? You ever seen that one? Man, I had all their names. There was on there. I got the little Jude and all the little next ones to come. Beau Baird, because that's what Tyler's going to name his Beau Baird, and all his other ones. I had all of it planned out. And God says, "Well, you really planned a great house for somebody else." But as long as God sends you to Cherith, you do just that. You plant. You build. You design it as if you're going to be there forever. Romans 7, 1.17 says this, the just shall live by faith. And I want to break this down to two parts. The just shall live by faith. It doesn't say the just shall visit by faith. It doesn't say the just shall even lease an 18-month lease on an 18-month lease. It says you're going to live. You're going to live by faith. Then it says the just shall live by faith. Not the just shall live by their own plans, by their timetables, and by their strategies. Now we all know this. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. But I'm just reminding us that when the picture doesn't work out the way that you thought, That's when faith has got to kick in. See, as long as the picture, you paint this great picture of what your life's going to look like, and it turns out just like that, don't talk about your walk of faith. bulloney. That is not faith. When you have planned your finances, and some of you are great in here with your finances. I'm telling you, you thought that when I was still not even thinking about anything important back in my 20s. Y'all were already having it all strategized as to how much money, and you need this, so you can have this much money to retire. Lord, I wasn't thinking about any of that. But you were, and that's awesome. But when God lets all that work out for you, and it's never tested and tried, and you don't lose $400,000 like my daddy did one day in the stock market. One day, $400,000, boom, gone. When when nothing bad happens to your finances, then you have not yet walked in faith when it comes to money. Faith is when you have got bills laying all over the kitchen table and you have no clue how you're going to pay them, which we all have been there, amen? Would you like to testify? But here's the difference. Faith is when you have that happen and you don't gripe and complain and yell at your husband or yell at your wife or, as one lady did one day in a counseling session, yell at God and use the F word, yikes, don't say you trust God you see it's easy to trust God when he does everything we want him to that's not trust trust is when he blows the stinking plan completely up and he drains your account and you are in the negative and you don't have credit line on your checking account that's that's faith now, I'm not saying that we, we should glorify that if we haven't been faithful in our finances, but I'm just saying you can be faithful all day long and God still touch all that. You see, that's when we have a faith story. You see, we all want the testimony, but we don't want the test. We all want the message, but we don't want to live out the mess. God sent Elijah and he sends all of us to Cherith to give us a faith story i thought about the the how elijah's faith story had to grow first of all in this story that we're reading today he had to believe god for food and water okay now just imagine this okay let's say it's a it's a monday afternoon at four o'clock and god says okay get on out of here and get up there by by Cherith." so he does his little journey he ends up there about about time to go to bed and he lays down do you think there was just a moment of course there's water there he already knows he's not going to thirst to death, there's, there's water. But you think there was just a little bit of wonder as to whether those ravens were really going to show up the next day? I mean, if he's a human, I think there would be. So first he had to believe for the food and the water. Well, now, a little bit past this story, if you'll continue to read in 1 Kings, he's going to be sent to Zarephath to the widow's house, okay? And this widow has a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And he says, give it to me, because if you give it to me, there's going to continue to be more. Wow, that was kind of bold for her to say, give it all to me. Because if you give it all to me, there'll be more. He had to believe for that. Well, then a little bit later, her son dies. And he goes up to where the sun is, and he sprawls his body out on top of this boy and calls him back to life. Wow, that's the next level of faith. Resurrection power is kind of a big deal. But then the next thing is he goes to Mount Carmel, and he calls down fire from heaven after he has completely drenched the entire sacrifice with gallons upon gallons of water, and he has mocked the gods gods of Baal and all their priests and said, is your God on the toilet, and that's why he's not showing up, yada, 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 ha, 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 ha. Uh, I mean, he does all that. You talk about faith. But you see, we all want that kind of stuff. We want the resurrection from the dead part, and we want the, you know, looking at other gods and going, you ain't nothing, my God's good. We want all that. But it starts with believing for the $150 bill sitting on your kitchen table that you don't have the money to pay. It, belie- it, it starts with Kevin and Baird and Tracy Baird saying, God has called us to go out and live off of meetings And we got six meetings scheduled in the next year. Okay, somehow that does not compute to being able to pay the bills. But you know what? Faith never does. Faith doesn't compute. That's why it's called faith. Now let's look at verse 7. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So this is the question that's been going around the Baird house all summer, as we have been praying on Tuesday nights and Friday nights, believing for revival and believing for resource and believing for revelation. Lord, if you can and did provide the food and water for Elijah, why'd you let his brook dry up? And if you did, let us raise $104,000 on one day Why'd you let our brook dry up? But isn't that what the question of the Christian life really is? If he could save us from every test and trial and tragedy of life, why doesn't he? Because he sees the big picture. He sees our tomorrows from our todays. He knows what lessons in life we have to learn to get to that ultimate good ending. Lesson number five. A brook, a dry brook is not always a sign of God's displeasure. Now certainly, if you're in sin and your life falls apart, then that's the chastening of God. Okay? And sometimes that happens. But sometimes you do everything right. And your brook dries up. You know, it happened to Abraham when he was going up the mountain to have to offer up Isaac. It happened to Joseph as he ministered in Potiphar's house. Man did nothing wrong. Even ran from the woman. Still got sent to prison. It happened to Paul. I was reading this week. It happened to Paul when he was faithfully serving God in Lystra. Now, you, do you remember the story? Because I didn't remember this. He, was in, he and Barnabas were in Lystra, and they were ministering, and these people wanted to call them gods, and they wanted to, like, bow down and do all. I said, that's not the one on the, on the beach. It's a different one. Okay, and they, and, and they wanted to call them gods, and Paul said, no, 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 get up, get up, get up. I am not a god. I serve the one true God, and then he tells them all about God, and they're like, oh, but the problem was that the Jews were over here watching all this. And that made them mad. And I'll tell you what it made them mad, which goes back to point one, is when you do it right, sometimes there's a price to pay. See, not only did it make the Jews mad that they were preaching the gospel, but they didn't take the praise of man. They didn't say, yes, yes, okay, well, you can call me God if you want to. <laughs> That'd be fine. And you could also give a little offering. <laughs> yeah. They didn't do that. And see, that made the Jews mad. And they stoned Paul to the point that everybody thought he was dead. The the church came up afterwards to drag his body off and realized he was still alive. And so they nursed him back to health and he went on to preach another day. And then it happened to Jesus. Now think about this. Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. Now think he's Jesus. You think he could come up with some good stuff on his own? I bet he could have. But he didn't. He only did what God told him. You talk about walking in obedience. He only did what the father told him to do, and they still hung him on a cross. Bad things happen sometimes to really good people. And righteous people experience dried up brooks. You know, we love to memorize verses that are like real power, make us feel all like died to self. You know, I am crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Doesn't that sound awesome? And it's one thing to quote it and memorize it. It's another thing to live it. Because let me tell you about crucifixion. Pastor started with this. You can can nail one hand to the cross, and you can maybe nail your feet. It's going to take somebody else to nail that other hand. And it's usually somebody that you thought loved you. God calls us to a crucified life. And he gets to choose the method of death. I read a quote this week that says, "When our brook dries up, we are tempted to think that God's power has ceased. By drying brooks, but drying brooks are not an indication of God forsakenness. It is only an indication that God is changing the source of our supply." Okay, now you getting that? that God is changing the source of our supply. Pastor Joel Stocksdale from Bethany World Prayer Center, I found a quote from him this week. He wrote a devotional on the brook drying up. And let me just read it to you. Change is a fact of life. The way you respond to change will be one of the greatest factors in determining the quality and effectiveness of your life. To think that just because a certain season has been fruitful that it will somehow last forever is the fallacy that many Christians, especially leaders, fall prey to. God uses discomfort to signal the change of the season many times. The brook dried up. The job came to an end. The relationship ended abruptly. If the brook dried up, then we must know. That God is signaling the change of seasons. There is another assignment yet for you. There is a widow in Zarephath that needs your anointing. Be quick to discern when the Lord is moving you out of your present place of fruitfulness and into a new place of greater fruitfulness. Just got a couple more lessons here. Number six, ready? Don't pout. Or be offended when your brook dries up. I don't know about you, but pow- pouting was not allowed in our house. I'd get that little lip going out there, and my daddy would say, you either get that lip sucked in or I'm going to tear your tail up and give you something to cry about. And Kevin can, say, can imagine my father saying that, yes. Yeah. Okay, pouting is so unattractive. You know, in verse 8 it says, When the Lord of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And if you will read all about Elijah, these first two situations, he had to go to the cherith, and now he has to go to Zarephath, he keeps his mouth shut. Now later on, he gets a little sassy okay but at first he starts off and i just want to i want to stay right in here this section okay i don't want to i don't want to get all sassy with god once again he did not argue he just obeyed marie and i were talking about this the other day i think the reason this is so hard for us who have been together so long is because some of us have literally grown up in the lord together When I showed up at James Island on that first day, Wally and Maria, we got out of our car and Wally and Maria got out of their car, the right beside us. And we walked into church that day for the first day together. Y'all, I was 35 years old. I thought I knew a lot. Oh, but the Lord said, oh, I'm sending you here to kill you. We've grown up together. We have gotten free together. We have seen her raised from there. We were singing that song today. Girl, he raised you from the dead. So don't you let the devil tell you anything else. Some of us have have been raised together in the Lord, and that's why this is hard. But the devil would love nothing more than for us to get caught in the trick and then the in the circle of what my husband calls the paralysis of analysis. Let's not do that. Let's not say, "Well, could have, should have, would have." If what if they hadn't done that? What if he hadn't said that? What if she hadn't done that? What if they hadn't left? What if, what if, what if, what if? Okay? Let me tell you, you can drive yourself crazy trying to analyze it and figure out what happened. Can I get an amen from the denim section? Amen. <laughs> Do not let yourself go there. Believe me, pastors get stuck in that muck and mire forever. Okay, we just got to go. It happened. I don't know if if Lord if I did something wrong, I repent. If they did something wrong, which I think they did. But anyway, if they did something wrong, Lord, we forgive him. When we go, then we got to go back to what we said earlier, and that is if God had wanted to keep our brook flowing, he could have. But he didn't. He has chosen he has chosen for our brook to dry up. Remember the song that Pastor had us been singing over that last whole series? Clear the stage. Clear the stage of all the plans that we have made. If that's the measure you must take to crush the idols. Exodus 34:14 says, For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Many people make an idol of their cherith. Those of us who have been at Legacy all these 16 years, we have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of church life. A lot of bad and ugly, but a lot of good. Why do we always want to focus, even saying that, why do we always want to focus on the bad? Because you know what I thought? Lord's just convicting me right now. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It doesn't say life and death are in the power of the tongue. Death and life, why? Because death is always easier to speak. The bad stuff's always easier to remember. we get got to choose over these next eight weeks to remember the good stuff. We've stood together with our pastor as he preached in the pulpit on the steps of this city when he preached against abortion, same-sex marriage, and he has called other pastors in this city to rise up and to preach the standard with him in this city. We've prayed together at that abortion clinic. Remember those rallies we used to have when we would line that street, y'all? I mean, we have had some times where we have done spiritual warfare in this city. And even though legacy isn't great in Numbna, we would say, but Lord, we are the remnant. You know what the problem is? It's really easy to make a remnant an idol. Many of you have even come up to Pastor and I and said, where where are we going to find another legacy? Where are we going to find another Pastor Baird? I need to let you know, God isn't calling you to find another legacy. He's not calling you to find another Pastor Baird. That brook has dried up. And the legacy brook and Pastor Baird can no longer be your source. God is saying this morning, remember who you serve, and it's not that man. Is our God, and he is the great I am, and he will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and I will cut you off from any other water source so that you will realize that I alone am your source. God's a jealous God, and he wants for you to seek his face, now let me tell you, he's going to send you to another church. And I don't want you to take that and go, well, then I get to just be part of the universal body of Christ. only no, you don't. You will find another church. You must find another church to be obedient to the word of God. But don't you walk into that church going, well, there sure ain't legacy. I'll tell you that right now. Well, sh- he can't even preach a half circle around Pastor Baird, much less a full circle. Okay. All right. But maybe he can. And maybe God has sent you there to encourage that man and his wife. Because let me just tell you, pastors and their wives need a lot of encouragement. And if you walk in there with this little spirit light, let's see how they measure up to the birds. Don't do that. Do not do that to anyone. Love them. Serve them. Encourage them. Last lesson. Oh, no, no I'm sorry. Not Almost. <laughs> Number seven, thank God for the wonderful days that we've had at our brook. And let me tell you, over these next weeks, we are going to do that. I started thinking about some things. Let's remember and laugh about, we've had such amazing services. Do you remember when Kent Henry came and spray-painted the signs? Do you rem- How many remember Shh, graffiti all over our signs on the wall? Wow, okay. How about those first encounters that we had? How about the first time Pastor Rod came? And called out that lady on the front row and said, what's your name? She said, Sheba. He said, "As and Queen of. I was like, oh, dear Jesus, Pastor Rod. We've had some great days, and we've had some awesome memories. Let's not forget those. Now go, number eight, go where he leads you and be a blessing there. Pastor got a great text, I think it was yesterday, from a pastor in Mississippi where Amy and Dan Bearden go to church. Amy and Dan had told their pastor about that Pastor Bearden and I were going to start traveling. And so the pastor contacted him and said, we'd love to have you come out to Mississippi and do a meeting for us. And at the end of the text, he said, and I just want to thank you for whatever you did to teach these people because they are the most awesome church members I have ever had. See, I want that to be said about every one of you. I want the pastors of this city, whether it be Pastor Fred and Jan here at Abundant Life or wherever God leads you, I want them to say, thank you, Kevin Baird, and a little bit, thank you, Pastor T, for raising up some awesome people who know how to serve, who know how to submit, who know how to pray. Number nine, I think this is our last point, yep. The Lord told me this this week while I was praying. When you walk into the unknown, you walk into the miracle zone. Remember, it was only after Elijah's brook dried up and he went to Zarephath that he raised the son from the dead and that he had the whole Mount Carmel experience. That only happened after the brook dried up, after he walked into the unknown. Abraham, one of the pastor's favorite uh, uh, quotes is when he says, Abraham went out to follow God, to receive an inheritance, not knowing where he was going. We just got to walk out there. Joel Osteen said this on a message I heard recently. Miracles happen when we're in the right place at the right time with the right attitude. Like I said, don't go into that next place and go, well, this word God told me to go, but dag it, I dare him to bless me here today. Okay, that's, that's not the right attitude. Jesus said that greater works than these, than he did, that we're going to do. And then it says in Mark that, um, believe. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark tells us that signs and wonders will follow them that believe. Believe what? Here we go. Believe that God's our source. And that he can be trusted. And if he has redirected our steps in the past, he's going to direct our steps again. If he has supplied our needs in the past, then he will do it again. If he directed your steps to Legacy Church, Charlotte and Craig. I remember that day they walked in on a Wednesday night. If you directed your steps to Legacy, he's going to direct your steps again. To a church and a church family And to your new pastors, and I'm coming down from my landing, pastor. Here we go. This is the word of the Lord for you. I'm going to quote to you one of your favorite quotes from A.W. Tozier. God is hiding his heroes, and the day will come when they will arise, and the world will wonder where they came from. And I believe that you are one of God's heroes. And in the years ahead, God's going to raise you up as a prophet to this nation because you will declare truth that many others do not have the courage to declare. And as your wife, I have never been more proud of you than I am now. Yesterday afternoon, we were cleaning the house for the Thorsals to come and look at our house. <laughs> and I was back there by myself, and you were out. He's awesome. He was cleaning the hardwood floors. God loved this man. <laughs> and I was back in the bathroom, and the Lord gave me a word for you. So I'm just going to read it exactly as he gave it. You, my son, have been found faithful in your hiddenness. The prophetic word spoken over you many years ago that what George Whitfield couldn't do, you would be able to do, is still true. The Lord said that that prophetic word has been fulfilled. For the religious powers of this city ran George Whitfield out of this town. But you, my son, have not allowed men or church boards, disappointments or hiddenness to make you run from this city. They did not run you out of town, for you have declared the truth not only on the peninsula, but on James Island, John's Island, West Ashley, and North Charleston. You have been faithful to be my prophet, declaring truth wherever you have had opportunity. To an audience of hundreds on steps in the peninsula, and to an audience of a few. And because you have been found faithful, I will now expand your sphere of influence beyond this city, beyond this region, to a nation, to the islands, and even the world. Amen. Amen. And Pastor, I believe I speak for all of the Legacy Tribe in saying this to you today. Thank you for being obedient to God's direction. And now we look forward to the next weeks as you remind us how to walk out this next season, this new season, correctly. Amen.